Hi, I'm Steven Schinder. And I'm Dan Schinder. Welcome to the Yes Shift podcast, where we talk about, wait, what do we talk about again? The band Yes. And there's so much to talk about with their many shifts in lineups and the mental, emotional, and spiritual shift their music can evoke. Since 1968, as of the inception of this podcast, May 2021, Yes has published a ton of studio albums, live albums, compilation albums, singles, and videos, all of which cover a very wide arcing spectrum of progressive rock. And we represent two generations of hardcore Yes fans. You may not agree with all of our tastes. Or any. The same way we don't always agree with a lot of the silly stuff so-called Yes fans post about on social. (laughs) And that's okay. With a history like Yes, having spanned so much music and time, there are always going to be different perspectives. And we are here to share ours, comment on things we see online, and invite you to be part of it as well. Yeah, we welcome your comments on posts of these episodes on social, as well as reviews on our podcasting platforms. You can also send comments and suggestions for topics to yesshiftpodcast at gmail.com. That's spelled with two S's, just like Yes Songs and Yes Shows. Hey, welcome to episode 18, Yes Sons, Rapping and Remixing. I'm Dan Schinder. And I'm Steven Schinder. And this is going to be fun, but before we get into these two really interesting albums, um, Steve, we've got news and we've got um, some listeners slash viewers slash fan comments from posts and emails. Let's start with that. Or actually, news. Yeah, let's start with the news, the Quest update. Yeah, so so here on Yes Shift, uh, for those who might be new, we love talking about Yes, but we also love talking about stuff that's tangentially related to Yes, whether it be through musicians who played with them on certain albums, or even uh, what like we're talking about in this episode, a couple sons of a couple Yes members. In this case, Damien Anderson and the late Virgil Howe, they released a couple things um, in different eras that are kind of... Separately. Yeah, separately, yeah. uh, That are kind of outside of what uh, what you and I, Dad, would normally gravitate toward. So it was a fun, like, little detour. Uh, But, yeah, so we'll get to those. Uh, The reason was their birthdays are on similar date. Like, they're a day apart, but obviously different years. Or maybe not, obviously. I don't know. But... Yeah, so I thought that'd be a fun thing to do. But yeah, before we get to that, we'll start with the news. So this comes from Inside Out Music. Uh, Of course, Yes's label at the moment, who say, due to unforeseen manufacturing issues, the US physical release of the new Yes official album, The Quest, will be delayed. The worldwide digital release of the album will remain on the 1st of October. The U.S. release for the two-CD digipack limited deluxe box and art book will be on the 15th of October, and the standalone vinyl will be released on the 17th of December. It was quite a delay. Yeah, um, well, I'll, I'll say what just came to mind uh, when I finish the, the rest of the announcement, but yeah. Uh, th- this does not affect the release outside of the U.S., where the physical release date will remain 1st of October. The Yes World slash Manhead merch store will still be shipping their stock as soon as product is received. As such, customers who pre-ordered via the shop will receive their order on or before October 15th. We are very sorry for any inconvenience caused, and we are doing our best to get the album in your hands in SAP. So, a couple things. Uh, yeah, it's a delay, but I feel like in this world we've been in, I'm used to movies now being <laughs> delayed several months or even a year. So, two weeks for the physical release in the US, like that's nothing. To that's me. true. And especially since we're still getting the digital release on October 1st. Um, so we should be able to still listen to the album at the beginning of that month, uh, which just a week away. Wow, and review it. 
Yeah, yeah. And see crazy comments online. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. What a bleep storm some of that is. I won't get into that now, though. Right, yeah. But I mean, re- regardless of what lots of people are saying, you know, some are looking forward to it, some not so much. But I pre ordered uh, the Blu ray art book version. Um, so I'm really looking forward to receiving that whenever it comes. But of course, whenever the it drops on digital, I'll definitely listen to that. Um, I assume that'll be on like Yes's YouTube and Spotify and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Because, you know, it's been a long wait and we're just really eager to listen to the whole album. Um so yeah, that's the quest. Uh, do you have any other thoughts about that before we segue into the sex thing? I wish there was a little more of an explanation. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's contractual. I wonder if it's materials. I wonder if the new ACDC album is in the way and they're behind that or something crazy like that. Or if someone says it, let, let's wait till right before the holidays. I doubt that's what it is. I'm sure everyone's yeah. eager to make a few bucks on it. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> they said, it's a manufacturing fans. issue. I'm just wondering, like, what that, that's so that broad, issues. though, and vague. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but, maybe, maybe they need extra time to add uh, Muckman's credit to the booklet i don't know <laughs> uh, probably oh, not <laughs> yeah they got to redo all the artwork now the graphic yeah, uh, I, yeah that's kind of become a, that's kind of become a meme now uh, along with like eddie jobson and whatnot but yeah so how funny uh, yeah but so the next news item um concerns a book written by Stephen lamb with dave Watkinson. Um, well it says by Stephen lamb with dave Watkinson, and so uh, we came across this post thanks to Dave Watkinson on Facebook. It was like shared around. Uh, so do you want to go ahead and read this? Yeah, this is this is really interesting. And I love how this is written because uh, it, it really um, gives perspective to mm. what happened with Yes in the 80s, especially for us old enough to remember many, many years forward now and looking back, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, oh, oh yeah. So uh, the new Yes book is now ready to order. Yes in the 80s takes a look at Yes with its various lineups and releases in what was an extremely successful decade, covering a prolific music time, not only for Yes with such albums as Drama, 90125, uh, I'll throw in Big Generator, even though it's not listed, but it's ex-members solo and in bands as well, such as ABWH, Asia, Cinema, XYZ, I'm glad they included that. Rick Wakeman and John Ederson solo albums had they had really big albums uh that decade. And John, of course, with keyboard legend and I'll throw in composer Vangelis, um, who he had recorded with many years before the 80s, but in the 80s, um, yeah, I, I can't like think of the one 75, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh really great stuff. Trevor Rabin and Trevor Horn would come together to make a new Yes sound that would shock Yes fans. <laughs> That's never happened. That would shock Yes fans yet make <laughs> Yes a household name. It is Yes, of course, so change would happen. New members, artwork, logo, and a completely different sounding albums that would bookend the decade. I love how that's put because, like, I wouldn't, occ- that wouldn't occur to me. You know, unless I read that, it's like, oh, yeah. And immediately you go to those albums. Um, Stephen Lemby, am I pronouncing that correctly? Lemby? Uh, it's Stephen Lamb, I believe. Lamb, I'm sorry. Stephen Lamb. Sorry. Holy Lamb. No, okay. <laughs> no it's Holy Lamb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, t- takes us on a thoughtful journey through albums and tours with David Watkinson, adding stories from the decade, a forward and a huge amount of visual material that's my thing in the 32 pages of pictures i can't wait to see that i love seeing pictures from my favorite bands that i've never seen before and as long as yes and led zeppelin pink floyd some of my favorite bands have been around i'm still seeing a lot of photos i've never seen before and i love that like who's had these like at what (laughs) bottom of whose sock drawer were these sitting before they got finally scanned yeah between two comic books yeah yeah exactly um october 29th publication december in the usa 
the signed copies from Burning Shed only. You can also pre-order from Amazon or wherever you get wherever you get books. the The old cover may still be up in some places. It is the one that will be published. And if you're watching the visual version of this episode, which we call a vlog as opposed to the podcast, there's the cover right there, which is cool. And there's already actually one, two. There's like three pictures I've never seen, even just on the cover. Uh, yeah. Very cool. I can't, I will get this. I can't wait to get this. Um, I, I, if I could just, if you don't mind, harken back in the context of being there, and then I have a question right, for yeah. you, having been exposed later. Um, yeah, when word first came out of nine hundred one two five, people said it was accidentally published that Trevor Horn was the guitar player, and I thought oh, well. <laughs> I don't think that's right. And then um, uh, Owner of a Lonely Heart came out and stuff, and you saw that it was it's just Trevor Rabin, who was 28, 29 at the time. And, and then we learned that Trevor Horn produced it. But yeah, the, the cover, so just like Bob Seska's cover for Magnification, how that really encapsulated that music and something different, that cover art and logo mm. and the sheen on the vinyl, I have the vinyl, the, the whole look of that was way into the future. And you got to understand being back there in time, as I guess with every decade, the eighties was like the future. It's like yeah. we were here. And, and in a lot of ways, cause a lot of things were changing musically. Hair metal was just being sort of born and popular, the hairspray Aquanet and spandex, but then you had the skinny tie um, side of life with a uh, new wave and things like that. Uh, Duran Duran, um, Tears for Fears, bands like that were, were huge. Cindy Lauper, you know, the Thompson twins, I can go on and on. And here was yes, with this new album, new look graphically and physically as members. And I, I didn't know what to expect, but it just blew my mind. Once again, Trevor Horn with production <laughs> chops that just were like, took us into the future. The music was great. The tour was amazing. Uh, I have nothing negative to say about it. So my question to you, and for those of you who don't know, if you follow the show, I'm sorry if you get tired of hearing us say some of the same things over and over. But for people who haven't heard this, I think it's important contextually to know that I'm the dad, Stephen's the son. We're 31 years apart. I happen to be older. And my question, Steve, is in your Yes journey, when you were older and started listening to Yes, where in the path did the drama and 90125, Big Generator, we won't worry about all the rest of the catalog for that ticket, but just those three, <laughs> you know, where did those come along? Because I think, well, I actually, I know, I think that um, 9012 Live, the movie, yeah. was the, your first exposure to Yes Now that I think of it, right? Right. Yeah, because you were like two, or, you were three or four, probably three, and you used to act out the whole film with a, a toy guitar. Yeah. And <laughs> half the time you were Trevor, half the time you were Chris, you had all the moves down. It was really yeah, cool. I would use a blanket as a cape or something. Right, <laughs> right. And and like a lot of kids who get stuck in a movie, like my granddaughter Sky when she was young, Frozen. It was for oh, our poor daughter Sudi watched had to watch Frozen <laughs> 30 times a day. Alex with 101 Dalmatians and Fantasia. That's my son, uh, Stephen's brother. Yeah, but Steve, brother. it was Steve, it was Monty Python and the Holy Grail and 9012 Live. Yeah, over and, and, and also Yes Years. Yeah. And Yes Years when it came out. Yeah. So as you got older and started to more I'll say coherently listen yeah. <laughs> to the Yes catalog. Where was that and where does that sit in Yes's music for you? Because our perspectives are completely different. I was a Yes fan for uh, 14, 15, six, 16 years before 90125 came out. Right. So I've mentioned, so I'll, I'll try to go through the things I mentioned before real quickly. So I started collecting um like 2002 i got the extended versions cd which is basically a truncated version of the live stuff on keys to ascension they got the compilation album highlights the very best of yes in 
2003, I want to say. And he was eight, by the way, when he started this quest. Yeah. No and, and, <laughs> and so 2003 uh, was also the year that Rhino was releasing these expanded and remastered uh, Yes albums on CD from, from the first album to um, 90125, uh, like from 2003 to 2004. And so uh, for my ninth birthday, you got me Relayer and going for the one. And I think the next one I got after that was, I think it honestly was 90125 in 2004. And at that time, like, that was my favorite of the Yes albums that I'd listened to and that I had. Like, I was just still really into the 80s stuff. Um, and so I then was, how yeah. did Relayer hit you, being that, that you watched the 9012 live stuff so much and then I, I said here here's relayer son and a magic mushroom yeah. oh wait you won't need the mushroom <laughs> just listen to relayer right yeah um well again what like i've said before because of yes years and live at qpr and stuff like that i was already familiar with some of the 70s sound like i knew the 80s sound and the 70s sound uh pretty well but listening to gates of delirium in full was it was quite something. And like, like I mentioned, um, maybe this is on an episode that hasn't come out yet, but on Gates of Delirium, like as a kid hearing the burn their children's after on to hell, it was like, oh, yes, said a bad word. And I didn't know what to think, but then I quickly got over it. <laughs> it was um, in the epics. It's the epics episode we haven't put out yet. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, like for a time. <laughs> yes, uh, a bad word. Like, for a time, like, the Raven, uh, yes, like, with 90125, and even Big Generator, like, I loved listening to that stuff um, more so than some of the 70s stuff. But Essentially, older, that was your, kind of, yeah. It's kind of flipped. Yeah, like, it's kind of flipped as I've gotten older. Like, I appreciate all the different eras, but if it's, like, mid-70s, yes, is, like, my favorite yes now. Um, but I really appreciate like the evolution still, and there was an evolution. Lots of prog rock bands, um, well, at least the few that I'm familiar with. No, I think that's you know, true. Yes, Genesis, um, Asia had prog rock musicians. Like they had to go through this pop phase in the '80s, and then in the '90s there was like a prog rock renaissance. Like they kind of some of them yeah. kind of returned to that. Even Channel Giant yeah. did, did the same thing. Channel Giant got more. I hate to use this term, folks, mainstream, and chime in on everything we're talking about. Give us your take on all this. But you're right. Uh, Jethro Tull did it with the album A. Yes did it with Tormato and going for the one and then moving into the 80s with uh, the, the Rabin years. Um, Pink Floyd with the wall in 79 and moving forward. Uh, we can go on and on, and, and then... Um, yeah, The Wall was more of that punk era, but yeah, it, it was kind of different, yeah. Yeah, and, and then like you said, it all sort of circled back. I'm still waiting for Bell Bottoms to come back, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, a, I'm interested in this book, uh, and like you mentioned, there are a few photos that are unfamiliar, uh, like... There's this weird, I think that's Rick in this strange yeah. outfit, if I'm not. Yeah, mistaken. he's like a third, fourth musketeer or something. Yeah. It's, a troubadour. It's like, yeah, and it's like when it comes to just yes, you think of the 80s and there are only those three studio albums and touring in between. But if you think of the stuff that yes members and ex yes members at the time were doing uh, throughout that decade, it's still like a lot of activity. So I'm. Real curious to see how this book documents all yeah. that. I, I might just see to get one of these. You know, something you just mentioned, those those three studio albums. And to me, uh, strangely, maybe more than any, I'm running through their catalog in my head, maybe more than <laughs> any other Yes album, even though drama came out, in 1980, the same decade, of course, as 90125 and Big Generator. I think drama stands alone outside any other Yes album that's most unrelated to others because, like, Relayer is just weird, but it kind of is a cousin to Tales and Close to the Edge. 
close to the edge when it came out might have been that one standalone but then the i think drama in a way is so unrelated to things on either side of it would you agree yeah i can see that like it definitely has some of the classic yesness within it but also feels fresh and new which in a way makes it feel a little bit like some of the 80s stuff that would follow but then 90125 is still it feels starkly different from drama despite being like both of those feeling more 80s and what had come before yeah interesting cool so we're both excited about that book chime in folks and folks when you get the book you maybe we'll do an episode review in the book and, and we'd love to get you your yeah, feedback cool. folks yeah that would be cool and then uh, I'm so glad that Steve got this uh, from an email from one of our fans. I, I hope he's a fan anyways, <laughs> uh, Jeff Williams. This goes back to a few episodes ago. I brought up the fact that um, I thought I had seen an article in 1980 on the drama tour that, yes, had broken Led Zeppelin's record of selling out eight consecutive shows at Madison Square Garden. And someone wrote in, um, it might have been Brian yeah, Harris. Brian Harris, yeah. Yeah, wrote in saying, no, that that's not a thing. And I yeah, thought... Like they only played three consecutive ones. On yeah, the and he tour. named the shows and, and I looked it up and on the tour schedule and he was right. So I thought, man, what am I remembering incorrectly? And I got to say, it's been bugging me for what's it been like? <laughs> Like a, a month and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A couple months, maybe. It's been bugging me. And lo and behold, as soon as Stephen sent me these show notes and I saw this photo that we're showing right now, I'm like, that's it. But why did I remember it so differently? So what it refers to is the 16 sellouts referring to 16 consecutive sellouts over several tours. I just didn't remember it that way. And you could see that uh, Jeff Downs and Trevor Horn are kind of like, uh, okay, yeah, I, I guess I'll accept this, even though I've never <laughs> been on any of the other tours. Yeah, you know, I didn't really get a close look at their faces until now, but yeah, they do look kind of like, awkward. Shush. Yeah, they look a little awkward, which is kind of suitable. Yeah, They're the Jeff, new guys, yeah. Jeff Downs has this real sheepish look, sheepish look, and Trevor Horn's looking over to someone else like, can we go now? Can you just give me the hook. Can we go now? Yeah. Like you know, like they feel for an hour. <laughs> yeah. For something they may felt not quite worthy about, but it's just like a football team. If you're on a football team and you're on the Miami dolphins and up to the point where they hadn't lost as a, a game in that season, but you're the new guy and you only played one game, you're still getting that award. You're still getting the ring if you win the Super Bowl. So that's how I equate that. If that makes any sense. Uh, but Jeff Williams, great find. I don't know why I remember it so differently. Yeah. Well, and, it was 1980, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I've forgotten yesterday's shows that, um, yeah, up to that point, yes, played 16 shows at Madison Square Garden. I think they played several more since then, but. Oh, yeah. That, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So let's move into. The Yes Sons segment of this. And we're going to start with Damian Anderson's album called Close to the Hype. Right. Now, and this is actually a single, but yeah, go on. And Steve had heard this, I think, long before I did and says he played it for me. This happens all the time. And I don't remember. <laughs> uh, I got a lot going on, okay? And, right. and then, so he sent it to me yeah. and I like, was like, I don't remember this. Yes. Yeah, I think like in 2009 or something, we got it off of eBay. Uh, I have the CD right here. Oh! Um, yeah, it's it's like really rare, and it's like, yeah, um, and it has four tracks on it, so um, I'll, I'll go ahead and like look at the tr what the tracks are called. Do you still have a second. device that plays those things? Uh, yeah, I put them on my PlayStation 3. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so uh, PlayStation 3 is still getting some use. Um, so yeah, uh, obviously uh, Damien Anderson, son of John Anderson, born September 22nd, 1972. Um, so that would have been just nine days after Close to the Edge came out, and which is kind of funny. Um, you know, he makes this single in 
92. Uh, well, Discog says it was released 92 in the UK and then 94 in, again in the UK and other territories. So he was 20 when he did this. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So the tracks, uh, they're all titled Close to the Hype, uh, but the second, third, and fourth tracks in parentheses say Black, black Ink Mix, Instrumental, and Close to the Skunk Mix. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so, um, and so the ones that are available online, uh, we, we found the main version of Close to the Hype on YouTube, but also if you search Damien Anderson on YouTube and on Spotify, the version that's uh, under his name is the Close to the Skunk Mix. Uh, so the differences between these are, well, like the Close to the Skunk Mix, uh, the big difference that I was able to hear is that it's missing the synthesizer part that goes like... Wait, but wait, give... Do, do, do. Oh, go, I'm sorry, give, give them an overall, like, what genre is this album? Is it house music? Yeah, this single, I, I guess it's a rap single. Um, yeah, it's more of a rap, yeah. Yeah, like, house music is a genre that I've only heard about within the last year or so. Uh, so I don't really know what constitutes house music. Uh, but yeah, it's basically rapping and uh, Damien's dad, John, guests on it. Um, uh, on this, his Damien's name is spelled D-A-M-I-O-N, but for some reason on Spotify and YouTube, it's spelled I-A-N. I don't know if he changed the spelling of his name like John did all those years ago, but um, huh. but yeah, like, like for, so yeah, we got this on eBay, and uh, like I, I remember playing it to you in 2009, and you're like, I could imagine dancing to this um or something like that but what were your thoughts like re-listening to what we were able to find and i don't dance by the way <laughs> folks much uh so because i didn't remember listening to it it was not what i expected it really took me by surprise but i appreciated how different how unexpected it was i guess is the best way to put it uh, the production's great. I think the idea is very creative. Um, he, he, I think his work on it is great. I really do. How about you? Yeah, like this definitely sounds like music of that time. Um, That's cause, true. Because, you know, the lyric, like, I, I think it's cool how he seems really into it when he's singing. Um, there he are sounds great. Yeah, like he sound he he doesn't sound like John, but he doesn't need to. Like their voices make a good contrast, I think. And like you'd hear John uh, singing "Close to the Hype Down by the River," or you'd hear him sing like a little bit of "Owner of a Lonely Heart," um, like "Move Yourself." And there are all these like callbacks to other Yes songs. Like um, Damien would sing. And you and I and me and you and like Hard the Sunrise was in there somewhere like those words and leave it all up to me. And he also says brothers of mine, like, you know, that ABWH song. And so it kind of reminds me of that ABWH song quartet where it had like those yeah. lyrics. Of vignettes. Of yes songs. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's it's kind of like an Easter egg hunt for me in that. Sense. That's true. That's um, a great way to put it. You're right. Yeah, and as far as like, it's not my genre, but it it feels like it does belong to like, like it feels like it feels at home with that type of music. Um, maybe maybe there are words here and there that kind of date it a little bit. Like, um, I'm trying to remember what the thing is that John keeps repeating. Um. You mentioned it, and I don't remember either. Yeah, hey, let me just look at this. Yeah, and folks, if you, I'm going to read some th fans' thoughts while you look that up, okay? Okay. Um, so Fiona Stacy says, I have this, it's great. Duncan Finlayson says, I have it. One of the tracks was okay. Uh, Wendell Wiggins says, I like it, especially John's chorus and the keys to this jam and groove. Philip. 
I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Well, I know I got Philip right. I mean, the last name, Philip Jargon, maybe, or Gargan uh, says, nice. I've never heard this before. It reminds me of the shaman. John Anderson should have worked with them. They had a similar spacey spiritual lyric vibe. Cool. Uh, Cliff Deitches or Dykes says, uh, got this when it first came out. Use it in part of my trivia game soundtracks for a while. Wow, that's cool. Uh, and Tomas Howie says, extremely hard to find. I'm glad I picked up a copy when it was first released. And Christopher Acornero. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it's Acornero or Achornero, but I mean, okay. maybe one of those is fun, um, but... Provides a link and it says John Anderson versus Deep Forest, Deep Floresta. Uh, this is my favorite John experimental dance track. Yeah, that's oh. from uh, Deseo remixes, which I guess has remixes of songs from John's uh, 1993 or four solo album Deseo, which is very Latin American influenced, if I remember correctly. Um, I actually have the original Deseo on CD uh, somewhere over here, but yeah, I've never given that remix album a full listen, but uh, I, I remember the thing that uh, John sings that sounds kind of dated, oh. like he sings, gonna make it real, gonna make you feel all right, like that kind of sounds dated to me, um, uh, or I don't know if people still sing like that in the rap genre these days, because again, I'm not that familiar with it, but yeah. Um, yeah, like like it does definitely sound of that time, but like like we said, we could I could imagine this being in like a dance party type of thing. Um, and I'll just briefly go through like little differences I noticed between these versions of the tracks. So the black ink mix has a longer instrumental intro and also adds like this part that's like do 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 do. Do, 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 and like a nice little yeah. interlude. Um, again, it's hard to describe because my mouth isn't can't emulate like every single sound or whatever. But yeah, and it's like seven and a half minutes long, which is longer than like these four minute tracks. Uh, the instrumental version is like it's almost instrumental, except it still has like the recurring um. You know, John singing, move yourself and close to the hype down by the river and that type of stuff. But it doesn't have um, Damien singing, except at the beginning it was like, yeah, or whatever it is that he yells. Yeah. And the <laughs> and the close to the skunk mix, uh, the biggest difference I noticed was that it omits the the synth sound that goes like, do 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 like it omits that for some reason um but oh. yeah it's definitely a rare single um it's not something i've listened to much like i like like listening to it now is my first time listening to it in like 12 years or something but yeah i, I think it's interesting how damien took something that you know it's inspired by stuff that his dad sang and he basically tried making it his own thing um and it's really interesting seeing how not just when uh yes members uh relatives do this sort of stuff but also when you know other fans uh, do things that are inspired by yes but they try to make it very different but you can still kind of see traces of like where that came from you know yeah and there's two more uh, bits of fan feedback that lead us into the next album. Jimmy Miller says, interesting. Have you ever given Virtual House Yes Remixes a listen? I love that album. The Verge, referring to Virgil, did an outstanding job on that album. He got contributions from John and his dad, of course. I think you'll find it very interesting. We sure did. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, as commented, uh, John Bobo, Bolenberg, he says, I prefer The Verge's Yes Remixes album. The Verge is, of course, Virgil Howe, the deceased son of Steve Howe. So we move uh, right. into that album. In fact, um, 
And one more thought from a fan is, or you go ahead and read that, Steve. Yeah, uh, there are actually two more thoughts, but yeah, yeah. So we're moving to Yes Remixes from Virgil Howe, born September 23rd, 1975. Um, unfortunately, passed away September 11th, 2017 from a heart attack. Um, but yeah, we remember his music fondly. Um, I actually have the CD of the album he did with his dad titled Nexus, and it's really good. Um, maybe someday I don't we'll do think I've ever heard that. Yeah, I think you'd really like it. It's, oh, it's I thought really you were going to say, yeah, I played it for you back in. <laughs> I want to well, hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. M maybe I've sent you the music video of one of the songs when wow. that first came out, but it was like four years ago, so who knows? But. Uh, but yeah, so getting back to Yes Remixes, uh, Stuart Dummett says, I really enjoyed this album and its fresh take on Yes Classics. I would truly enjoy hearing what didn't make it onto the disc and the other music he created. Time for me to, revis to visit slash revisit the other projects you mentioned. Lots of talent in that family. Uh, yeah, in the post that we shared, I mentioned a few other Steve Howe albums he uh, guested on. And William Edmondson said, been a while since I listened to it, but it's an enjoyable album and I'm glad that material from drama was included. So yeah, rem remixes came out in 2003. So it was around that time that the Rhino remasters of Yes albums were coming out. Like there's lots of stuff coming out, but I feel like this one kind of flew under the radar or maybe doesn't get remembered as much uh, when people look back on that period but yeah we we came across um what the liner notes say uh did you want to read that dad yeah and then we'll give our takes on this and folks if uh you're familiar with the album and have heard it well you would have heard it if you're familiar with it <laughs> write in and give us your takes and we encourage others to check this out. It's very interesting. We'll get into that um, after the track listing or during the track listing. But the liner notes say, um, the idea started out after I megged up my Akai MPC 2000 XL sampler with full memory. That's what megged up means. You put more megabytes in it. Uh, the next step was to push my newfound capacity, which I did with Heart of the Sunrise on what, one of the most dynamic songs in the defining period of Yes. The limitations I had of having no computer, what? Uh, and then in parentheses, just my MPC and a 16 track live desk uh, and none of the separate tracks sampling off the vinyl. It helped me find a more progressive approach chronologically working with the song so that each section had its own little remix. Getting all those samples in was a laborious process, but once they were in, it, it it was all joy. Then he goes on to say, then came the moment of truth, playing the Heart of the Sunrise remix to my highly critical, all constructive dad. <laughs> he listened intently with a slightly bemused look on his face until the end when he smiled and said, you're crazy, why don't you do some more? <laughs> that's great, I love it. <laughs> so here they are. All that's left is for me to thank the Yes members, past and present, for all the inspiration you have given me and everyone else. Enjoy, Virgil Howe. Um, you want to give thoughts or the track list first? Um, I think we should read what the track list is first. Um, okay. So... We don't need to read the writing credits, just blow through Yeah, no, titles. we're not reading the writing credits. <laughs> so we got Tempest Fugit, Arriving UFO, Heart of the Sunrise, Starship Trooper, Awaken, Sound Chaser, Ritual, Siberian Katru, 5% for Nothing, No Opportunity Necessary, No Experience Needed, and No Clowns. By the way, I would go to that concert. That's a killer <laughs> freaking set list right there. Yeah. <laughs> right um so yeah like we, we got like a few things under here but where do you want to begin with this Let, let's talk about first impressions you go first okay so how did it compare to what you expected or did you have any preconceived expectation so 
when I remember many years ago, um, you know, I, I did not own this album. So I went to Amazon and they had like the 30 second preview type of thing. And I listened to the previews for each of these tracks. And so I had somewhat of an idea of what to expect. And these pretty much uh, were what I expected. Um, the first listen uh, earlier this week throughout the whole album, it, it left me feeling like I thought, you know, I enjoyed it, but it didn't give me like this like mind blowing experience that I was expecting based on like what you had said, like you'd listened to it before, like I did and other people's comments like made me think it would be, I, I, I don't know what, what I was expecting, but yeah, like I enjoyed it, but then uh Earlier today, I listened to bits of it again, and I was like, huh, maybe I didn't, like, appreciate these enough. Like, there's, like, some really great moments on these tracks. Um, but what were your first impressions with this? Um, so, I, I had no idea. Well, folks, it is major techno. Yeah, it's it is techno. major techno. and that's such an understatement. There's so much else to it. It's dance, it's techno, maybe some house stuff mixed in and some genres. I don't even know the name of, but they're all in that realm. And when I <laughs> read the title, yes, remixes, I, I thought, okay, the bass is going to be louder in this part. Oh and, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. Yeah, see, when, see, growing up, I'm so used to the idea of remixes being, reworked like, yeah reworked like and i mean yes has done that before in the 80s like during the rapin period you know you'd have like that version of leave it where it's just like, right ah, 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 ah. or like owner of a lonely heart where it's just seven minutes of doom 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 do, and that's all and, and just Thompson. distorted noises <laughs> eddie Thompson. <laughs> um and like I, I also remember um a version of love will find a way where it's extended. Like it has yeah. extra drum machine stuff like do, 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 and like a salsa dance remix of rhythm of love. So like I'd heard stuff like that in full, uh, right. but this was my first time listening to yes, remixes. And, and I had no idea. I had no idea. And, and I kind of, I'm sure my face when it first started with Tempest Fugit, my face was in the shape of WTF. I'm sure of it. <laughs> but, and I've never listened to techno. I, I don't go to clubs like that. I remember when I first met my wife, Anja, um, her daughter, Sudi, for her 30th birthday, we went to a club like that, had this big party, and, and that music was there and way too loud, and it, it's just not my thing. Yeah, like um, clubs aren't really my scene either. It's like yeah. it's too loud to be able to talk to people. Yeah, it's in. just that. But yeah. the music, I, I was just blown away, but I immediately fell in love with it, and I think the reason I fell in love with it was two things. I was deeply familiar with the music it was made from and having done a lot of music production myself in the eighties and the nineties, I immediately appreciated how ridiculously laborious the work might've been. And that's before I knew what I just read from the liner notes that he didn't have a computer and, <laughs> and he didn't have the separate tracks and he was doing it off vinyl. It's mind blowing. If you know, anything about music production even with the most state-of-the-art up-to-date pro tool stuff it's it's just it it's a true work of art and it may it also made me appreciate that genre um and and i've listened to it a few times and it's it's freaking mind-blowing but i wonder what i would think if i didn't know any yes music whether I'm 58 and a half now or my 18 year old self, what I would have thought of that. I probably wouldn't have given it a listen more than 30 seconds. My 18 year old self, my older self, I, having been in production, like I said, yeah, may, maybe, but being that I am so familiar with the music and it's fa to me, it's fascinating is the word I have. It's fascinating 
but in a very positive way, not fascinating, like a, a train wreck that you have to stop and look at <laughs> fascinating. Like <laughs> I'm hearing colors I've never seen in music before. Yeah. You're um, experiencing it in a completely new way. Yeah. So we're finishing a movie, right? NJ and I, before I came in here and I said, okay, I'm going to get up and go record with Steve. And I said, Hey, are you into techno music at all? And she like shuddered and said, no, no, no. I, I said, oh, okay, never mind. She said, why? And I said, I did. She said, well, I would listen to it for you. And I said, okay, I'll come back to it. So she's familiar with some yes music. And I'm curious what her take would be because it is more of an outside that bubble, you know, view. Folks, I, I don't mean to just like dote over it so much, but I love it. And and it's from a genre that's not even my thing. So I hope that says a lot. I I just think it's amazing. I'll shut up now. Rare. <laughs> yeah. And like looking at these tracks, like I think Tempest Fugit was just a no-brainer to include, in my opinion. Um it just like to me it has that feel where it's like, oh yeah, you could definitely do something techno with that, you know. There, there's a new wave route to that. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, it starts with that dun 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 dun. Don't spoil dun, it, dun. <laughs> right? And it, uh, whatever you imagine, folks, from what we've just said, we can't quantify or really describe it to put the sound in your head when you hear it. No matter what you're thinking, it's gonna be a huge surprise. Yeah, and, like, and I there's like some, that. yeah, like there's some like echoing vocal stuff and that, and then some of the other tracks. Um, or you'd hear like a certain word being repeated over and over in a catchy way. Like on Starship Trooper, you'd hear follow, follow, follow. Like it, like out of context, it might make someone think of a record scratch type of thing. A skip, but, a skip. Yeah, a skip. But the way it's worked with the way he's put the music together, like it's, it's creative. Um, with Arriving UFO though, I could not take it oh so seriously, really. <laughs> kidding. Uh, it was good. Um, like, like there's some stuff on, like little sounds here and there on Arriving UFO, Starship Trooper, and Awaken that make it sound like it has this sound that makes me think of lasers, like kind of more spacey. Um, like, you know, Virgil is a key, he played keyboards and drums. Uh, so I kind of wonder if maybe he added some of. That. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I, I believe it's very clear that he's working with a lot more than samples of the original recordings. Right. He's adding a lot of techno beats, like by hand on drum machines and sequencing, and and I love it. I, I think it's great. Um, Heart of the Sunrise was very interesting because of the Francis Monkman influence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean oh every song was a surprise because like you look at the songs and before they start and you say okay i know this song let's see what he does with it after the first one or two songs when it's not anything you expected like idiot me i'm thinking oh yeah i guess the the keyboards are going to be louder in this part or and the guitar lead will be loud you know i thought that's what remix meant for this but then <laughs> when you get the hang of what he's doing you go okay what's he going to do with this one and like five percent for nothing what he did with that was yeah he made it four minutes and 40 seconds instead of just the 30 seconds <laughs> yeah and folks maybe you could chime in on this i tried to describe to steven um an artist whose name i don't know he's the um dj guy who did a mastery class with that mastery yeah class with that series of producers who makes master class with um, actors and writers and you know musicians and whatnot and he wears the big robot mouse head um folks i don't remember his name my son-in-law is really into him because he does that kind of music this kind of reminds me of that that's Take, not chucky e. cheese right no no <laughs> not chucky e. cheese or mickey mouse man i i should have asked jimmy before we we did this but um Oh, okay. Looking at the image, it's like, yeah, I actually have seen this before. What's um, his name? Uh, so 
According to this, it's called Dead Mouse, but it's spelled D E A D M A U five, like the number five. Yeah, and and um, this is like in that vein, and it's that good where it sounds like someone with with years of experience with this kind of work did it. It's that good. I hope I'm not over, no pun intended, hyping it. But it's, <laughs> I, I love it. Honestly, it resonated with me a lot more than Damien's. I'm not sure why. Maybe because there's more there and it was just more intriguing to me as the set list goes on. I mean, again, from Tempest Fuga to Arriving UFO, Heart of the Sunrise, Starship Trooper, Awakened, Sound Chaser, Ritual, Siberian Katru. <laughs> What's next? A 5% for nothing. No opportunity necessary. No experience needed. No clowns. I mean, it's just, Shout out to Damien in that one. Just <laughs> mind-blowing work. I'd love to hear more fan reviews of this who never heard of it before we did this. Yeah, like I think out of these, um, my favorites ended up being the last two tracks, uh, No Opportunity Necessary and No Clown. Oh, really? Um, yeah, like I loved how No Opportunity it has this added drum beat and... Like, yeah. you know, the, the song, like the original, um, well, well, I guess not the original, but Yes's cover of that song as it appears on Time and a Word is already really fast paced. It gets you hyped up. And so the added drum beat, like, adds that extra step to it, like, even even more. Yeah. Um, and then No Clowns, um, well, like you alluded to, like, Damien Anderson, we know... Um, spoke that section of circus of heaven on termato which that album may have actually come out on his sixth birthday um possibly like yeah um like some people are kind of not sure the exact day termato came out but it could possibly have come out on that date but the tomato threw threw it off (laughs) yeah and, and so yeah you get a sampling of uh his voice on there but it also has bits of other yes songs um i listed the ones i was able to catch here so it has the footsteps from the end of we have heaven it has a bit of and you and i like the you know the beginning like okay and like even that (laughs) speaking right before it talks yeah Uh, roundabout i've seen all good people close to the edge ritual sound chaser gates of delirium Heart of the Sunrise, Parallels, The Fish, and like we said earlier, Circus of Heaven. Um, And like both of those last two tracks, uh, No Opportunity and No Clowns, are tracks that I wish were longer. Like I would have loved hearing extended versions of those tracks. Um, But yeah, like I I have some other thoughts, but did you want to like add anything before um, I add Uh, more? Yeah, I'll say that it even though I've listened to the whole thing maybe three times, it's hard for me to pick a favorite. Um, I think because being familiar with the original versions and with all the surprising twists and turns and remaking, I'm still like in fascination mode. I haven't really picked one. Um, But if I had to just off the top of my head, I I love Siberian Katru because I've said it before, that album, the production is different from any other album I've ever heard. And it translates into that, the choppy guitar and all that. So I love the Siberian Kachu rework, Tempest Fugit, and Heart of the Sunrise. I'll go with those three are the ones that stick with me the most right now. But I love all of it. I really do. Yeah. And, and there were actually sounds that i was surprised he didn't take advantage of like on heart of the sunrise i thought that he would do something with the you know there's that part where it goes like do 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 and but that gets crazier with the synthesizer it's like like higher i don't know frequency what you um, mean um geez i wish i could emulate it but i can't but that's okay um, yeah like just this part where that part gets more intense and sounds more electric. I was surprised he didn't do something with that. Mm. Um, I was also surprised he didn't really do much with the, the, you know, the, the intense drumming part toward the end of 
ritual where it gets like really spacey. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of surprising. Uh, did you have like any similar reaction, like something you were surprised he didn't like? No, because the whole thing took me by surprise so much that I didn't even like think of, oh, you should have, like, I was still just like, what the hell is this? This is amazing. <laughs> like, who thinks of this? But obviously The Verge did. Just right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's very sad that he's not with us anymore. I would have right. loved to hear more stuff like this done with music of other bands. Um, it's just a shame. Yeah. Yeah, Virgil was a talented guy. Like, that whole family was. And Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... I'm not sure if he ever wanted to do more remix albums or if this was just that itch he had to scratch. And after this one, he was just, uh, that was cool, but I'll yeah. try other things, but who knows? Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think, um, I don't know. Okay, so I wrote this down because I vaguely remembered you had a question. I can't remember if it pertained to this or something. Else, yeah. But- did you have like a question you want to ask me that? Like, well, there yeah. was the issue of, um, I mentioned that it, it makes sense that all the songs are from any Steve Howe era. Yes. Yeah. But very. Except no opportunity. Weirdly. Right. Right. But very clearly he could have worked in things from Big Generator and 90125. They absolutely would have worked with this because of the more modern sounds and all that. But that th- those two things could have been put on their own album, you know, doing this. But right. we don't have that, and that's okay. Um, as far as a mystery question, um, am I forgetting something that I started to say to you the other day, and I said, I'll save it for the show? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I came up with my own mystery okay. question, and I was curious about whether it's it was the same thing you were going to ask. Okay. Uh, so my question was, are there any other Yes songs that you'd love to see get a treatment similar to how Virgil uh, handled these songs on Yes remixes? Yeah, um, definitely from the two albums I mentioned. And those songs would be uh, Big Generator, the title track. Um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking through the albums, sorry. Um, Owner of a Lonely Heart is almost too obvious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's already like weird. Uh, what else is on that album? I know um, changes, but that's that's a long time. Yeah, I guess changes and also yeah, um, I think changes could have something cool done with it. Yeah, and maybe because of the odd slower tempo, um, hearts would have been interesting. Mm. Um, and um, the one they never played live. Uh, song. Yeah, I love that song. By the way, I wish. They would play have played it live. Yeah, they no, only the, played it live once or a couple times, I think. But yeah. Yeah. Rhythm of Love definitely could have been a masterwork of his. Uh yeah, I could have even remixed the like orchestral sounding opening. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or even with Love Will Find a Way in that case, yeah. Yeah. So like I said, those two albums alone could have been a whole other album for him. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if he also considered remixing anything from the very first Yes album. Like, thinking to the tracks on that, I think Looking Around would have been a good choice. Yes. Um, Sweet Dreams? Well, Sweet Dreams is on Time and a Word, oh, but may- right. maybe uh, he could have done something with that. Because, like, Sweet Dreams, compared to much of the rest of Time and a Word, it it feels kind of too normal to me for lack of a better word. Like okay. it feels like more could have been done with it. So maybe that could have gotten a treatment. Um, Astral Traveler, I think could have had something cool done with it. Um, How about anything maybe from- survival? Um, uh, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Anything from talk. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I was going to like go into like the 90s and beyond, like deeper stuff and try to think of like. Huh, so, state talk, of play. Yeah, state of play. Um, maybe bits of endless dream. Yeah. Um, I mean, even on Union, you might be able to pull something like maybe. I mean, Dangerous is probably an obvious one. It's yeah. already has like a club mix somewhere. I, I would have waited forever. The opening oh, track yeah. with with those vocals and cutting it off and, you know, yeah, thinking yeah. of how he worked some of the songs. Yeah, maybe oh. like the opening vocals instead of being super loud and abrupt, maybe we'll fade it in like, yeah. oh, for like going back yeah. and forth or something. Um, Miracle of Life, that would have been cool. Yeah. Um, I think that that is from Keys to Ascension could have had cool stuff done with it because it already has that fast pace. And like there's cool stuff that can be done with that. And and I'm sorry, remind me, what year did this come out? Uh, yes, Remixes came out 2003. So he was 21. Um, he was born in 72, wasn't he? Uh, Virgil was born in 75. So oh, Damien was born. been 28. Okay. So, um, dare I say that, um, let, let me think of the set list of what I'm thinking of, uh, that, um, hold on folks, just hold on. <laughs> Yeah, while you're doing that, I'll mention a few other songs I think could get the remix treatment and sound cool. A new state of mind, I think, would be really cool. That's what I'm looking for. The open your eyes set list. And that's oh, the wow. first song <laughs> I was trying to think of. Oh, yeah. the track list. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like what's on the ladder that could be cool. Um, um ba dum bum boom. Oh, the message to Bob Marley. Yeah, was, that'd be cool. Yeah. And um. Yeah. State of play, and also maybe, maybe some more spacey Universal Garden, Fortune Seller, which I love. I love yeah. every time I talk to Billy, I tell him what a genius production job he did on that yeah. song. I just love it. Maybe Dream Time from Magnification. Ooh. Ooh! Wow! And it could have like. A digital version of the end of magnification with the orchestra falling down the stairs. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's so much we can, you know, the what could have been. And folks, if you're not familiar with the album, when you when you hear it, you'll understand what Steve and I are talking about. You might even want to listen to this again just for, you know, more context. Um, fascinating. That's my one word for it. Fascinating. Yeah, and I mean, there's even stuff from like the yes catalog from beyond when this was yeah. done like we we can think back like oh he could have done mind drive but like pe people could try giving some of the later stuff this type of treatment you know with like fly from here uh, maybe some stuff with that epic. yeah um subway walls uh to the moment from from a page uh yeah. maybe the ice bridge um maybe there'll be some stuff on the quest uh we'll think oh this could get like a really cool remix treatment yeah I don't know. Um, yeah. Like, like if there's anything that you listeners think would be cool to hear, get a similar type of remix treatment, like let us know, email us at yesshiftpodcast at gmail.com. And you can always also comment on our posts on the video version or audio versions on uh, the anchor network of podcasts that we're on. That's anchor dot com slash anchor fm slash yes shift yeah <laughs> and on facebook it's facebook.com slash yes shift we'd love to get your feedback we'd love to get emails from you we're open to ideas for episodes we've gotten a few from you already um that we got to catch up on and uh thanks for following what we do it's your show too so give us your feedback give us ideas and um, in October, we're going to start reaching out to bot to to band members <laughs> and other people who have worked with Yes at different capacities, whether on artwork um, and uh, in the, in the periphery there, in yeah. Yes tour. <laughs>
Yeah. So yeah, this podcast episode, it was okay, but there are no clowns or lions or tigers or bears <laughs> or candy floss, toffee apples, no clowns. <laughs> Talk about for, talk about first world problems. Am I right? You go to this circus has like unicorns and stuff, and <laughs> like there are these things that you're hoping you're just like, oh, it was okay with all this magical stuff. You know what it sounds like to me? <laughs> it sounds like a lot of disgruntled so-called yes fans not getting what they expect on <laughs> certain albums. That's what that sounds like to me. There's always a unicorn in everything. We just have to spot it and it might not resonate with us, but it doesn't mean you have to be bummed out that there's no clowns, no bears, no tigers, no candy floss. Right. But yeah, just one more week, uh, or I guess slightly less than a week before the quest comes out. So I'm excited for that. And we'll definitely talk about that. And yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, I want to play it backwards and see what messages Francis Monkman <laughs> embedded into the vinyl version. <laughs> Right, that'll be our side quest, sure. <laughs> For sure. Thanks, everybody, so much. And we will see you on the next one. <laughs> <laughs>